Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're honored to have Lyndall Larkin as our special guest. Lyndall is an executive coach, leadership advisor, founder, and principal of Larkin Leadership. After 20 years as an HR executive in diverse industries, ranging from early-stage tech startups to luxury hospitality and global retail, she launched Larkin Leadership in early 2020. As a high-energy and collaborative thought partner, Lyndall's lifelong passion is supporting others to deliberately and repeatedly achieve exceptional results. She currently does this by supporting founders, CEOs, and the C-suite with results-focused executive coaching and bespoke leadership programming. She also leads mastermind focus groups on developing and connecting female emerging executives. Lyndall holds a bachelor's degree from the University of Washington. She received her executive coach training from CTI and is a certified Myers-Briggs, Seven Habits, and Lominger Leadership Architect Practitioner. She also recently completed a coaching certification from the Asian Leadership Institute and is in the final weeks of finishing a certificate in Workplace D-E-N-I. Lyndall resides in Los Angeles, California, and in her free time, she's honored to serve as a governing board member of local nonprofit LA's Best and adores travel, cooking, and entertaining family and friends. Lyndall, thanks so much for being on our show. We always like to start by asking, what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Great. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's such a pleasure to be here. I, quite honestly, there are two. And one is this one. It's Recharge Your Life. And I think, um, you know, you've had some really interesting guests, but Amy Evans talking about her values and Valerie Paris talking about being true to herself were two that really jumped out to me. And so, you know, such an honor to be to be a part of this. So thank you for that. Um, the other one is a podcast by Ed Milette. And Ed Milet is an entrepreneur and uh, speaker, podcast host. And I think what I appreciate about, about his podcast is he has a really wide range of guests and they're all on the theme of living their biggest, best, most engaged life and sharing the practices that support them in doing so. Hi, Lindell. Thank you so much for being on and uh, gold star for shouting out our podcast. Tell me my <laughs> Why are more people kissing our butt than we? <laughs> My pleasure, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't planned, so I'm always like pleasantly surprised. So thank you. No, that's wonderful because the why do I, why do these podcasts around 
living your best life, the values, true to yourself. Why does that resonate with you? Why do you think that? Because you could have said, hey, I listened to podcasts about true crime, but instead you're, you're pulled to these, these podcasts that are about life and living your best, your best self. So why is that, Lyndall? Great question. I think um, for me, it's it's very much about the intentionality mm. and and being really thoughtful um, and defining the purpose and and one's sort of desire to live life to the fullest. And one example I have of the Ed Milet podcast, um, he interviews Jesse Itzler, and Jesse is co-founder of Marquee Jets. He's um, you know, owns the Atlanta Hawks. He's married to Sarah Blakely, the uh, founder of Spanx. And, uh, and he, his in particular, I listen to about once a month. And there's three things that jump out to me in particular on, on that, that, that speaks to that intentionality. And one, he speaks about the life resume and that's about collecting experiences. And that very much resonates with me and, and how I've approached my, my life and my career. Um, he also speaks about the whole life. And that integration of not only, you know, especially what we tend to focus focus on a lot professionally, which is the work and the financial aspect, but also taking into accountability family, relationships, health, spirituality, and looking at um, at one's life and one's fulfillment in a really holistic manner. And then, you know, again, looking at daily habits, which is something, um, you know, that that speaks to me in designing those everyday practices that support those goals and those dreams. And I think the Recharge podcast, I think um, Ed Milet, there's those themes of of looking at at the practices, at the habits that that move those goals forward and taking taking some of those and being able to apply them to my own life and, and with even some of my clients that I'm working with. I, I, I want to ask you about your daily habits and how you do it, but I'll wait till the advice part of this podcast. Cause I feel like you're going to have this great advice for people. So I will pause. Um, but I want to hear then, because I have a feeling probably your career decision influenced or that the career decision, the decision influenced a lot of this integration, collecting the experiences, the holistic. So why don't we jump right in and tell me the, the decision that change the trajectory of your life and how you use some of the charge qualities to help you with that. Absolutely. Happy to. Um, I always think of the C the Steve jobs quote that, that speaks about not being able to connect the dots moving forward, but mm -hmm. being able to do so, so effectively looking back. And, um, and at this point in my career, you know, there have been several, several impactful decisions. Um, but I think the most impactful was my choice to move out of hotel operations and into learning and development and ultimately begin growing my career under the human resources umbrella. Mm, tell me. So this is like a recovering ops podcast now. That <laughs> I went into the dark side of HR and so tell me about kind of why you went into ops and then you made that change because I'm thinking that change really does tie back to this living your, collecting the experiences, living your whole life, kind of really integrating things. And so maybe there was this part of you, you can tell us that why the shift from operations to HR to live kind of your whole best life. So tell us about that shift coming to the dark side, Lyndall. The dark side. The dark Absolutely. Side. So you know, I think for me, 
I started working in hotels and restaurants at 15 mm. and was in some some form of, of hospitality until my mid-20s. And I went and worked aboard cruise ships in the Caribbean. I worked in the corporate office of a cruise line. I had a meeting planning job for a year where I was literally in a different city six days a week and um, and doing the logistics for, for a meeting organization. And um, I landed in Vancouver, BC with Fairmont Hotels and Resorts. And I was in on the rooms operation side, but it was my first real management role in a in a corporate environment. And I I loved it. It it was engaging. I loved serving people, creating experiences and and influencing the the opportunities that they were having in their in their holiday, in their work, in their um, travel, whatever that may be. And I was scheduled to attend sort of the standard eight-hour leadership development program that all new managers went through mm -hmm. and attended that. And I had no idea what learning and development was. I really didn't even know what human resources was. And at the end of the session, I went up to the gentleman that his name was Justin, and he was the learning and development manager. And I went up to him at the end and I said, can we talk? Like, I think I want to do this. I don't know what this is, but I want to understand this. And I think I want to do what you're doing. And fortunately for me, he sort of took me under his wing as an informal mentee. And we spent several months talking through what his role looked like and, and learning a little bit more about the ins and outs of, of the L&D world. And when he moved on to his next assignment about six months later, I he encouraged me to apply for the job and I did and I got it. And, um, and that was also, you know, I think something that the HR director at the time really took a risk on me because I didn't have all of the formalized experience. And that was that was learning that I was able to apply later down the road when I was a leader um, in looking at some of the, the qualities that I, I was seeking in my team. Um, so I was really fortunate to have that opportunity. And, you know, through that, um, you know, I would say I never, for better or for worse, I never had a clear career path in my mind mm -hmm. of where I should or would be at 30, at 40, at 50. Um, and it was never really about title. It was it was always guided by the experience, by the impact that I was able to make, by the contribution, and really that desire to be fulfilled and to utilize my skills and my knowledge um, to, to bring out the best in myself, but in others as well. And I found that L&D opened up that world um, immensely to me. And, you know, from an instructional design perspective to strategic planning and organizational development and leadership. And it just, um, it, it became the, the foundation that guided my career for literally the next 20 years. Wow. T take me back. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. So what's interesting about what you said is you liked your current job. Sometimes people make a change because they don't like it anymore or they just can't, you know, it's too stressful or something. There's, there's a negative reason, but it sounded like you really liked what you were doing in operations. And then just sitting in this manager training class, struck, uh, you had a light bulb moment. You got struck by lightning kind of thing. <laughs> what, what was it? Do you remember like, like what was there one thing or just, you were like, this is amazing. Like, how did it connect with you? Cause you liked your job. You liked your job. I did. And the funny thing I would say about that, that, and I work, you know, with my, the leaders that I work with, I, I often bring up that idea that are you, are you running away from something or are you moving toward something mm -hmm. new when you're looking for that next assignment, that next opportunity. And I think there's a real 
shift in in mindset that occurs based upon that. Um, for me, I I was very happy with what I was doing, but I was also you know, I am a lifelong learner. And I think I was always looking for opportunities to continue to develop and learn. And funny enough, I had majored in speech communication oh. back in, in college. And I never thought I would use that in my, in my professional career. I majored in it because I loved it. And at that time, I was flying airplanes, I got my private pilot's license, and my intent was to be a commercial pilot. So I took the advice of, of other pilots in my, my network that said, you know, pick a major that you love and focus on getting your hours. And so I did that. And I think the exposure that I had, and some of the, the leadership projects that I had done, even back in high school, um, and, and the the volunteer work I had done in college sort of planted that seed of the learning and development without ever recognizing it in the moment. And when that came up and I went, oh, there's this opportunity to, to help shape someone's professional experience. You know, there's statistics that say we spend anywhere from 75 to 80% of our working um conscious life uh, at work and, or I, I should say our adult life at work mm-hmm. um, when we're not sleeping <laughs> 70 to 80%. And that's really high. And so for me, that opportunity to be able to influence that and, um, and help create and shape an experience that brought out the best in others and um, created the most engaged experience that it could for them was, was sort of opened up that whole world of, of of recognizing what I was receiving in that that training program and um, and that opportunity to be able to to pass that along, and I, I don't think I ever realized that um, in the moment in that way, but looking back, it very much lined up. Yeah, it's quite a theme, even in your operations role. The things that you said that you liked is you helped people, you uh, helped them, you influenced their experiences. It's the same thing you do as a coach too you're helping, you're influencing. Uh, so it's the same kind of thread that goes through. But Linda, before I ask the the next question, we got to go back because you just dropped it in there and you didn't think I'd pick it up. Like you were a pilot. Wait, what? So <laughs> you gotta, like, wait a second. You got to tell us a little bit about, oh yeah, so I was going to be a commercial pilot, but now I'm, what? Go back. Go back. <laughs> yeah, a, um, a family friend actually, um, uh, it was was a commercial pilot and influenced me in um, in wanting to explore that as a potential career. When I was when I was fifteen, we started talking about it, and he would show me his logbooks and um, and and got me really excited about it. And I had been very fortunate as as a child and and into my teen years that my parents. Um, very much prioritized travel and exploration as our family hobby. So um, I had had the opportunity to certainly fly and and had exposure um, to the the world of travel um, from a pretty young age. And I I was just taken with the the idea and the concept. And so for my 16th birthday, I asked for a flying lesson, and I went flying, and I was hooked. And I ended up getting my my private license and um, and going to college with that intent of being a commercial pilot. So then, what happened with the pilot? And do you still <laughs> fly? I mean, I gotta know more. It's like burying the lead, though. Okay. 
so the the I I did. I was working toward toward getting my hours and the next ratings. And in between my my junior and senior year, um, it was about January, and I decided that I I wanted to take a break for that summer and maybe not fly with the intensity that I had been. And I started applying for for jobs. And this is back in the mid '90s, so I was applying for jobs in the newspaper, and mm-hmm. um, and I applied for a tour guiding job in the Canadian Rockies, and funny enough, I got, I got called in for an interview and, um, and the gentleman that interviewed me was the director of operations. And I was, I was completely unqualified. And he, um, he told me so much. He said, yeah, you're not, you're not quite qualified. These are 14 day bus tours where you're writing and researching and doing all of your own commentary. You're managing the logistics, you're booking side tours, you're booking meals, you're taking care of, you know, 50 plus passengers and, uh, you know, great to meet you keep in touch and, and maybe something will come up for summer and, uh, the keep in touch. I literally went home and I cringe now thinking of this as an HR professional. I literally went home and wrote in my day planner for 2 PM every Friday to call Ryan and check in because he said, keep in touch. And every Friday from February through April, I called oh Ryan. <laughs> so calling to check in, just keeping in touch. Any updates? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the transition out of flying. And funny enough, um, and shockingly, in in hindsight, um, by the end of April, Ryan, the director of operations, said, "You know what? I, if you are able to to get out of your finals for a couple of days, I will send you on on three days of one of these bus tours and have you do some commentary, have you experience it. You know, I might I might have an opening this summer." And I dropped everything, and I I was living in Seattle at the time, and I I joined the tour for three days up into the Canadian Rockies and uh, adored it. And by the time I got home, things had sort of shifted and I, I had done a ton of research and really, really tried to, to be prepared on those three days of the trip where I was also with a very qualified tour guide. And wow. I ultimately ended up getting the tour guiding job for the summer. And that you know, changed the trajectory of my career really, because I joke now in, in Myers-Briggs speak that I realized I was an extrovert and that I, you know, would not be uh, safe or probably legal to uh, talk as much as I wanted to from the cockpit of an airplane. (laughs) And I shifted that into, into the hobby category and, uh, and, and started pursuing much more travel and tourism on the operations side than, uh, than the, the specific flying. Oh my goodness. Although it would be fascinating if you're the pilot and you just kept talking, I, I would wonder <laughs> if, if you really, if I were the passenger, I'd think, I, I think I need you to, to focus now. my friend. Like I just need you to focus on flying. You'd be like, so how are you doing? How's your, how are you being fulfilled? How's your career going? Cause you probably would start talking like that. So um, true. So true. It was natural for you. So, Oh my goodness, this is fascinating. So when you made that shift and then you applied, so you made the shift to the Rockies and I could see your tenacity and your resilience coming through. And when you said, I'm going to apply for the L&D role, were these easy decisions for you, Linda? Or did you still have some trepidation, but you still did it? Like, what are some of those type of charge qualities that helped you and how did you manage through them? Because it sounds almost effortless for you. And so I'm wondering if, if that if it was effortless or there's a lot under the surface that you manage when you make these shifts. 
definitely not effortless. <laughs> um, and and that goes back to the hindsight piece, right? Very easy to talk about it 20 years later and say, well, it's so easy. It was such a quick decision. And um, I, I think for me, the charge qualities, um, there were three in particular. You know, I think courage. Um, I had such a, a passion and a drive to maximize my life experience that mm. that really guided me. Um, and, and, you know, was foundational for the decisions that I made. Um, but I think also there was humility in the sense that I had to ask for help, mm. um, especially stepping into new roles and be really vulnerable. Mm. I think before, before I even knew the term growth mentality, I, I think I embraced that and, and believed that, you know, great, I can learn this. If there's someone that can teach me, I'm, I am confident that I can learn it. Um, but I also, <laughs> there was some naivete there, um, certainly through many of those roles. And, you know, I think back to, to the learning and development role with Fairmont Hotels and, and being, you know, within my first week of the job and our IT manager called me into a ballroom and there were, and this shows how long ago it was. It was you know late nineties yeah. and LCD projectors had just come into really yeah. being common and popular. And I had no idea what one was. <laughs> and the IT manager called me in and there were, there was a sales rep and maybe 10 different LCDs set up. And the sales rep was spending so much time focusing on all the features, you know, that to share with me what, what it was and what it could do. And, and the IT manager said, this is, you know, you're the L and D manager, you're picking, which one do you want? And I remember thinking, you know, okay, does a laptop plug into that? Like, how do I even get, does that go on the wall? Like what? <laughs> and, and probably not as much humility um, as, as there could have been in that case, but it was, it was, some really great, uh, <laughs> great, fast learning. Um, and then I think also, you know, from the charge qualities, there was resilience. You know, there were a lot of failures, plenty of rejections and embarrassing, you know, first, um, some of the first sessions that I facilitated, I, I cringe thinking back of what that experience might have been like. And, um, and so I think, you know, part of that is, to combat that or, or address kind of the challenges with rejection and with failure, I I was very fortunate to have cultivated an incredible community of support mm -hmm. and kind of my personal board of directors mm -hmm. that you know continue to this day to to provide really candid, honest, authentic input, advice to be really my voice of reason, and I rely on that a lot. Mm. What, were you always, like, if you look back at when you were a child and adolescent and teenager, were you always this kind of growth mindset? Were you always so curious or was um, it evolved or you were just always like, throw me in. I like to travel. I like to do these things as a kid. Hmm. It's a great question. I would... Um... I would go back to a story that my mom readily shares. She has a, a picture that I drew when I was three or four years old um, of a, and I grew up in small town, Eastern Washington, and there was a somewhat major airport there. So I was, you know, we would watch planes and, and I was very familiar with airplanes and excited about watching planes fly overhead. And I drew this photo of, or drew a picture of an airplane. And in the, 
in the pilot seat was um, what appeared to be a woman with long flowing hair out of the window right. and down the side of the plane. And my mom tells the story readily that she said, well, Lindell, have you, have you ever seen a female pilot? Like where, like, do you, do you think, oh, oh, you know, where did this come from? Like you've never seen a female pilot. And that I, I retorted that she could, if she wanted to be. And she said, that's, that's always been your, your attitude. And, um, and I, I would use that story. I don't know that consciously I felt that way, but um, but there seems to be some indications early on. I it was so in you. You're like, well, if I can see it, I can do it. So yeah. I'm doing it. I see that I want to be an L and D manager. I'm going to do it. I want to be a pilot. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you didn't listen. You didn't listen. And there is the. It's a wonderfully courageous naivete and uh, insanity that all blends into yeah. one, right? Because you're. I, oh, I don't see it. I can do it. Where some people would say, no, you can't do it. There are no female pilots. You're like, I don't want to listen to you. I'm gonna and I would it. say oftentimes the naivete over the confidence was, yeah. was absolutely what was the driving force. <laughs> <laughs> I like, there is a sense, and we've talked to a, a few entrepreneurs, there is a wonderful uh, nuttiness, craziness, insanity, whatever you want to call it, that pushes you because it is a relatively insane thing to say, I'm going to just start this own company. I mean, I don't have money or benefits or I don't have anything. I don't know how to pay for things, but I'm going to do it because I see it and I want to do it. And so there is this edge of a little insanity that you, that has to push you to do it. Otherwise, otherwise we'd all be in stable positions, um, getting good benefits or working at a university. I don't know. That seems stable to me, by the way, universities. Um, So what advice do you have for people? Because you have done so many things. You've already given us some great advice on the board of directors. um, But what other advice do you have for people? I think for me, working with with the leaders that I do, working with the organizations that I do, I really try try to draw that back to the intentionality and for individuals and and for me personally, that that starts with a really solid grounding in intuition. Mm. And so, you know, I think there's there's three pieces here for me. One is is tapping into that intuition and creating space for that. I have definitely had that habit of blocking every single minute and being so busy that my intuition was, you know, tapping at the door and then knocking really loudly and <laughs> banging at the door. And, and so, you know, part of that is even creating the space and the possibility that, that not everything is, is 100% logical. There is a, a place to listen to, you know, for me, I physically feel things in my stomach. So that listening to your gut is, is very, very, um, very much resonates for me, but you know, some people feel it in different parts of their body physically, you know, there's the listening to your heart. I think, um, you know, you, you had an earlier episode that spoke about values and the importance of grounding decisions yeah. in our values. And, and it, it referenced, and, and I would also say, you know, Brene Brown has some fantastic exercises around mm-hmm. values. So intuition and values are very much connected for me. Um, I think, you know, the, there's, a couple of exercises around intuition that I would encourage the listeners to, to consider. And, um, and I have not, you know, disclaimer, I have not been great at listening to my intuition um, my whole life. In fact, I had to make an emergency landing uh, with a plane and nearly crashed when I was 17 years old. 
in big part because I did not listen to my intuition. Wow. And and one might have thought that that was the turning point to say no more. And and I, you know, I haven't had any crash landings lately, but I've certainly had had opportunities to tap into it um, sooner than than maybe um, than maybe I do. So it's it's a lifelong journey for sure. Um, but there's the exercise of flipping a coin, and it, you know, really simple. And I'll give you a simple example. So if I'm deciding, let's say to to you know, pursue my next promotion at work or go back to school full time and pursue my MBA. And I'm really on the fence of that. An exercise that someone can do is to flip a coin. And the, you know, let's say I assign heads to to the MBA and I flip it and it lands on on heads. And it doesn't mean that I make my decision solely based on the flip of a coin, but it's an opportunity to check in with with my intuition to Mm. go, okay, what am I feeling there? Is there a sense of relief? Is there a sense Mm -hmm. of joy? Is it disappointment? I'm like, oh, I really wanted to go to pursue the, the promotion at work. And it it can be one of many tools. And, and disclaimer here, these are not my tools. There are many, many practitioners that use a variety of, of different tools that are variations on this. Um, but I, I think, you know, the the idea of just just checking in and even doing it for small things. Do I want coffee or tea? Is a great exercise mm-hmm. to sort of tap into to where you're at, where your intuition really is on on some very simple and then some very complex life decisions. I I it's I love that you said the the flipping of the coin. I do it in a way like you said. Um, well, I'm not going to have coffee then. Like I'll remove it and see how I feel. Like no, I really want it. And then it's the same, it's getting at that intuition of either you're removing something or say, okay, fine, take the vacation or, or take that client on. And then you see how you feel and you're like, oh yeah, I don't like that. And you got to get in touch with that because you do have an initial reaction usually. Mm -hmm. There's also, um, there's a, an exercise that, that I, um, I like to use with, with leaders that I'm working with, because I think it's very easy to live in this gray area of feeling as if um, the the neutral zone is is truly neutral, and mm. I I really try to draw that that example for people of you know, every action or inaction is getting you closer or further away from your objective. And there's an exercise that I, I really like to do in thinking about um, where someone is on a scale of one to a hundred in making a decision. So we'll go back to the MBA example. I'm at, I'm at 70% that I want to go and, and quit my job and get my MBA. Okay. So knowing that I will probably never be a hundred percent, what would get me to 95? Mm. What resources, what conversations, what information do I need that's going to to move the needle and get me over that sort of midpoint of saying back and forth, whether I should or not. And, and it's, it becomes a tool to really engage and, and an empowerment tool really, because I'm, I'm taking that decision and the information and, and tools that I need into, into my own realm of, of being able to, to help drive that. Mm. I think that intentionality like you said, is I'm at 70%. So intentionally thinking about what would take me to 95 and being just really thoughtful. And I, I like what you said about every decision, it's getting you closer or farther away, kind of every action. And when I studied um, communications, negotiation, it's the same idea. Anytime you speak to someone, you're either bringing that relationship closer or you're distancing yourself. And so what are you doing with that relationship? It's the same thing with the decision. 
when you don't do anything that is moving you closer or farther away from something. So just because you think you're in neutral or I haven't made a decision and so therefore things are static, that's not true. Things are moving. You're just not doing anything. So it's still a decision. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So So, true. um, I know Kelly loves the values and intentions and listening to your intuition. And Kelly's all about that and feeling the decision and feeling the anxiety with the decision. Um, Kelly is not with all your change though, Linda, let's just say that with all your, (laughs) Kelly's like, she's, she's crazy. She's flying in. She's doing this. She changes constantly. (laughs) Fair, fair. I get that. (laughs) Kelly, who is, who has said, I think on this podcast, change is great. You go first. Is that correct, Kelly? I don't want to. I think I have said that. Yes, I do. (laughs) Quotable, quotable. Yeah. (laughs) I also do appreciate your passion and love for learning and development. That was my first love Um, and helping people and being able to connect and help people who, even when they felt like as an adult learner, vulnerable to learn something new, or I can't learn something new, or it's going to take me longer to learn something new, that you can create an environment that makes them feel so comfortable that they're even the most skeptical person walks away feeling empowered and enriched as a result of the experience. So as I'm hearing you talk, Lyndall, I'm hearing how you took advantage of literally every single experience you've ever had and decided to do something with it. You may not have made a career out of everything, but you were at least mindful of, I want to take advantage of this experience because I know it maybe doesn't happen to everybody or it because it's exciting to me or it brings me joy or fulfills my life. So for people who are looking to tap into that part of themselves, do you have a, a tip or recommendation of how to, how to do that? Yeah, I think um, there's actually a quote from Mark Twain that um, that's used in a variety of different formats, but it's, it's to the effect of 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. And since I was in my elementary school years, that quote has been a part of my life and displayed somewhere, um, whether it was on my trapper keeper or my peachy folder, which um, <laughs> some people may recognize. <laughs> Again, dating myself. And uh, I think for me, it is going back to that um, with regularity. And I think I think there's a, a very fine balance because it is exhausting if I'm applying that that question to myself every single morning when I wake up and what am I doing in this cup of coffee and will I regret it? And I, you know, is is not where I'm going with that. But I think a regular check-in and that's very much up to an individual. For me it's quarterly and it's it's revisiting that and and thinking, you know, the author Liz Gilbert talks about future Liz, her future self. And what am I doing for my future self? What will this look like? Where where will I um, either regret or feel, you know, happy, joy, you know, um, some level of, of relief that at least I gave it a try and, and not being so focused on the outcome and having to win, having to be successful, but considering the experience and, um, and doing so, you know, back to the, the word intention, doing so with, with intention and, and a real thoughtfulness, um, of who and how someone wants to be. My, my tagline is, is I, I support people to find it, own it, and live it. And whatever it is, um, I think is, is defining, defining that for you and, and moving toward that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's all about balance as well. Balancing 
the parts of yourself that are seeking change with the parts that are looking for a little bit more stability. And as you said, you don't have to practice the, do I really want coffee today every day, but just being mindful of it and at least checking in with yourself at key times that make sense for you. And it can only make sense for you. If quarterly is not enough, then increase the frequency. If it's too long um, or too short, then extend it. That you have control and you can create sort of the world that you want to live in based on how comfortable you're feeling in making change. So if someone isn't as uh, as uh, adventurous as you, shall we say, in changing careers and moving and all of that, it's what are the little things that you want to do today that will make you feel like I'm living a bit more today than I did yesterday or making a, a choice that I would not have made you know, a year ago that I'm making now. So we thank you so much, Lyndall, for your incredible um, story. Certainly, you're very inspiring in the way you choose to live your life and how you've lived your life. And I do love the quote, she could if she wanted to be. I just, I love that. I think that's going to be the tagline for, for your episode, <laughs> for sure. We're so grateful to you. And if you are interested in connecting with Lyndall, feel free to do so. She's got several um, social media channels you can look at. Her website, LarkinLeadership.com, Instagram at LarkinLeadership, and her LinkedIn at Lyndall Larkin. And of course, as always, we'll put those in the show notes so you all have access to connect with this very um, engaging person. Lyndall, we're, again, so grateful to you to uh, have you share your story today. We're, we're, we're very grateful. Thank you so much, Carrie and Kelly. I really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.